This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. New Zealand Bridge, sponsoring bridge from beginner to international, nationwide. Welcome to the Bridge Zone. You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. We've got quite a few hilarious stories this week for you. So please let us know if our laugh, we're rolling around on the floor laughing, gets you excited or not. Send us an email, bridgezoneshuffle at gmail.com. But let me start first, Barry, with the Te Aroha Spa Town teams. You picked up a bit more of an A point over there? Yeah, point six. Getting closer. I'll tell you what. <laughs> we started laughing, and in fact, one of our team members decided we were doing rubbish on the odd numbers. So one, three, and five were rubbish, and the even numbers were great. So we got a thrashing, and then we won. And then we got another thrashing, and then we won. So Alan goes, actually, I want a four-foot round five. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> oh, it didn't go well for us. So we thought we don't like these odd numbers. We're only going to play even numbers and we might go out and, I don't know, have some smoko. Concede the odd numbered rounds. Now there's a thought. <laughs> I know. But again, Jack James made an appearance. He played with Wayne Burrows and they teamed up with Blair and Lizzie Fisher and they won. I don't think anybody truly believed that Jack and Wayne would have come all the way from Palmy because the Wellington 15A teams was off. So last minute entry, scrambling around. For somebody mentioned to me, I think it was Noel Griggs, said it looked like the Spartan teams was going to be quite a lot weaker field than usual. Yeah. Well, it didn't end up Turned that way. Turned out to be the dumping ground. <laughs> Everybody went there and it was a very strong field in the end. And even Jeremy with a one-man team. Yeah, Jeremy A. Fraser Hoskin tried to get there, couldn't make it. He ended up going to Howick, Mariana. Yes, was clear. So he did pick up a few A's in the A-point hunt. And you gave me some grief last week about Plan D. Yeah, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, how, yeah, that's right. I did say if you might need a Plan D. Little did I know well, how true that was going to be. If you recall, she, Mariana had Rosa Mishkin playing in her team as the fourth person. From Wellington. And I said, what about a Plan D? Well... I was fairly confident we weren't going to need it. <laughs> we needed a Plan D. Scramble, scramble. Sorry to the Wellington Club for not being able to run their event. It's a bit tragic getting so <sighs> close to running it and then having to put it off at the last and minute. And great numbers and it was a strong field and, oh, we do. We feel sorry for you. Every cloud's got a silver lining though, Mariana. Yep. It might be held later on in the year. That wasn't what I was thinking. What was it then? What I was thinking was my $5 bit about Michael oh. Weir getting Michael Weir getting to 500 A's. Well, he didn't get so many on the weekend. Woo! Maybe I've still oh, got a chance. Amazing, isn't it? What happens if he was in Wellington? Chances are... He might have got 20 A's. Instead of that, I think he got about five. Come to the Waikato. We provide the healthy opposition. So good on the Fisher team, Blair and Liz and Jack and Wayne, who prevented Michael from taking out the five A's. Yeah, and guess what? I won the first raffle ticket, so I got to pick out of all of these beautiful baskets. What did you get? You, oh, you picked, won the raffle? Oh, no, they had multiple raffles, so it was okay. great, but I got first pick. 
And so I went up and I got my basket and it was great. It was a big basket. Thank you, everybody. And I got a text message on the Sunday from Anna Kalma. And she said, oh, you guys took out the multi-grade runner-up. So you've got an envelope. And I gave it to Liz Fisher to pass on to you. And I was like, huh? And then she goes back, actually, we got it wrong. You're disqualified because we had Barb and we entered in the open and Barb didn't qualify. So we actually disqualified by getting runner-up, but it was too late. The envelope had been passed to Liz, made its way to Hamilton. So you're going to keep it? No, we're not going to keep it. So I said, who was runner-up? They deserve it. And so we found out, and congratulations to Tim Ritker, Peter Darfam and... Victor Cooter and Rochelle. Oh, this is from Tiara. Yeah, Good so we're going to pass the envelope back to us. We're not going to lay claim to anything like that, but what a hoot. By the way, winners of the Restricted were the Waikato Bay's intermediate team for the Interprovincials. That was... Ted Clifford. Barbara McFarlane. Sally Whitaker and Nick Cantlin. Yeah, so good on them. They were very good. Finished up about 12th, I think. They did pretty well. Spartown Teams was a good event. Get your gumboots on. We're going down to the pond. What's this? It's Kermit's Bridge Tips with Pam Livingston. Good morning, Kermit. Hi there. <laughs> is it true? Is it really snowing down in the necky this morning? So I'm told. It feels like it should be snowing at Riding for the Disabled, but we did hear that it is snowing in Stratford, which is not very far away, about half an hour away. Yeah. Yes, I was actually watching a video of some people uh, galloping their horses at the Stratford racetrack in the snow this morning. Goodness me. <laughs> and the horses get a bit kind of sensitised when it's really cold too, so they're a little bit jumpy this morning. <laughs> oh, the ones I saw looked like they were loving it. Somebody said I've yeah. took another one off my bucket list, galloping in the snow. <laughs> oh, how awesome. <laughs> I hear that you've been down to Palmy yesterday. I did go to Palmerston yesterday to the funeral of Evelyn Hurley and gosh what a privilege it was to be there to hear about her life to hear her extended whanau they provided all the music for the service and it wasn't just one person singing it was many and it was absolutely delightful and gosh we'll really miss Ev but my predominant thought for the day was what a life well lived amazing person Lovely. Plenty of bridge players you saw there? There were plenty of bridge players, but I mean, I don't know how many um, bridge players know what a pioneer um, Evelyn was in agricultural science as an academic and as a promoter of women in agriculture. Quite an amazing person, quite a pioneer. Hmm. One of the great things about funerals these days is you do hear about people's past lives and things you might not know about. It was terribly sad. Bob and Eve, you know, a life well lived. It was a lovely funeral. Cool. Well, on that somber note, we all just move on with our lives. We do. Let's do another bridge tip. What do you got for us? <laughs> My bridge tip for today is if you are a partnership that likes opening light, then you can also be a partnership that responds aggressively. So uh, partnerships tend to develop their own style and some partnerships open light and that's on their system card. But do the sums, people. You can't have a very, very light opener and yet jump to game with not many points either. It doesn't really work. So light openers, yes, but you have to be more conservative in your responses. 
or solid openers, and then you can be a, a little bit freer with your responses. I've got a story that I just have to tell. I'm going to name names. <laughs> Is one of them Herbert? <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. It was Ashley Bark and Michael Weir. Okay. Two pretty aggressive players, you'd probably have to admit. Yeah. Although maybe Ashley's a little bit more conservative now. He's He's got a bit older and stodgier. Anyway, so one of them opened light, and the other one, they both upgraded their hands anyway. So the opener upgraded, and the responder upgraded, and off they went, and they finally got to six hearts, I think it was, which went one off, which was very unfortunate, really, considering the rest of the field hadn't got to game. <laughs> now, I'm not sure how that illustrates your point, <laughs> but if one of them had have just held the reins... Point perfectly. If only one of them had upgraded, it'd be a game. <laughs> they would. There you go. If you don't want to wind up and slam one off when nobody else has got to game, yep, one of you has to behave yourself. <laughs> okay, that's definitely worth thinking about. I can see somebody sitting not very far away from me that likes to bid slams. Yep. <laughs> well, it just feels so good when you make them, and I'm. Pretty sure that it skews the statistics in your head. If you make really one really exciting slam, it seems to cancel out the statistics of the three that went off somehow. I'm not sure how that works. It's a question I always get from Marianne. Did you bid the slam? Did you bid the slam? <laughs> she never ever says, did you go off in the slam? I don't. <laughs> uh, but... I like optimism. Optimism's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to trust your partner. And they should be. That is true. They should be bidding what their hand says. Oh, so you're backing me up too, Mariana. Yep, I am. Yep, yep. Somebody's <laughs> got to not be upgrading. I don't know. The thing is, of course, that when you're at the end of a bridge tournament and they're giving out the prizes, the people that go up to get the prizes, to me, I don't know, they don't seem to be the conservative ones that always have their bids. Sometimes mm. they... At least one partner's got to push the boat out sometimes, do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm all for that. And it's an exciting game when you push the boat out, but can't both do it all the time. If you both push the boat out, you're going to drown. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I think that might be, might be the case. <laughs> Thank you, Pam. Catch Kermit next week for another tip. See you. Okay, what's next? We've had a few emails, Mariana. Cool. The question last week, we were talking about howls. <laughs> yep. Well, I had a couple of emails, one from Sam and Joe, who said that they think howls are horrific. You sit one way and they bid four cold slams or games against you, and then you sit the other way and then they bid another few against you. They <laughs> do not like howls. They continually howled about the howls. They said that they've got the idea right on the Gold Coast where they actually have like two fields. You have an east-west field and a north south field right. you always sit one way so you're always going to get well you might not always get your share of the cards but you'll have the same share of the cards as everybody else that you're competing against mm -hmm. because you're only competing against the people going the same way basically they were not fans of the how mm. so we got one vote against but hey i got one vote for as well really and it was from a director who said that he absolutely loves howls he thinks they're fantastic he thinks that, <laughs> that we should have more of them and what's more he even made the suggestion he said if he had 12 tables he'd rather run two six table howls really? i think there may have been some sarcasm in there but anyway <laughs> so a couple of good emails in so hey folks look please send us more emails in all good stuff 
and we're bound to air it on the Bridge Zone. What's that address again, Mariana? Bridgezoneshuffle at gmail.com. So Barry had a bit of time to spare last night, so I whacked into YouTube and I had a look at the new tricks tournaments. Oh, you were only looking because Zia was on there, I know. <laughs> Funny thing about Zia, every time he's playing one of those hands, he's always chomping away on something. He's got a little platter. <laughs> he chomps away on that, drinking champagne. <laughs> And last night, the ones that I was watching was when him and Andrew Robson were playing against robots. And they were actually bidding the same hands, but they have two totally different... It's an interesting concept. This is, It's called something like Battle of the Partners or something, That's isn't right. it? So, so the, they want to know how both partners will handle the same That's, hands. So they get the same hands and one at a time. So Andrew Robson's up first and he goes through his analysis and... And he's like, oh, I wonder what Z is going to do. I know what Z is going to do. And he did something, and he's quite conservative on that first board. And then Z jumps in and goes, right, this looks like this, 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 and bids game. And he's into games, and he says, no, I don't understand what these robots are. And, of course, he hovers over to see what it means, and he goes, no, I don't want that, no, I don't want that. And he doesn't want the robot to be declarer, so he bids. And the first board, Andrew let them play in two spades, and Z bids four hearts. It's imp, so immediately he's 11 ahead. And then the next time, they both bid to game, but the way they got to game was totally different. Whereas they had a balanced hand with 19 count, Andrew chose to stay true to the to the count, and he bids one club. And Zia's like, ah, that's close enough for me, two no trumps, and gets there a lot faster. It's very interesting. So if you've got a couple of minutes, jump in. They bid... 12 boards, I think it is. Maybe 8. So this is on YouTube, Mariana? YouTube. And you just Google new tricks or something like the that? New tricks, if you put Battle Zia, of the Partners. If you put Zia in, it'll probably come up, Z-I-A. It's pretty cool. Mm. It's really good. And I'm sure even junior or novices will get something out of it because they explain their thought pattern, the reason why they do this and why they do that. He's still flamboyant. So speaking of juniors and novices, how are those lessons of yours going at the Hamilton Bridge Club? They're just about at an end? Just about time for the bar to open? <laughs> yeah. So we're out of the biscuits. Biscuits have gone. And we've done two nights now of just playing. So the first night we played what the Tuesday session we're playing, same boards. That was a bit tough. So, so that's the Tuesday afternoon session at the Hamilton Bridge Club? No, Tuesday night session. Oh, the Tuesday night session. Yeah. Okay. The Tuesday night session. So we played those boards and then last week we went back to lessons 6 to 10 and they cope with those a lot better. So tonight I've chucked them back into the Tuesday. So we're playing first 12 boards of tonight's Tuesday session. They probably won't get through that. They are picking it up more and more now and we're not going to make it into the room tonight. It's a three-week session in the Tuesday night room, so we've got two more weeks on Tuesday, and then we're in. We're going to take their money over the next two weeks. They've got their membership numbers. Now they just need to pay, and then we're going in. So Pretty be, good. This will be Mariana's first crop of beginners, so yeah. she's going to be a bit nervous about how they do. Yeah. I reckon I should lay a challenge down to Ella's group and invite the Friday morning, some of the Friday morning, to come and play on Tuesday and we can hold a little mini tournament. Yeah, well, I don't know. There's always that home ground advantage thing, you know. They may feel that your lot have got to come on Friday morning. You may think that they have to come on Tuesday night. Uh, you know, who's going to win there? Oh, maybe we should do it on a Sunday. Do it on a Sunday? So, so right. Neutral ground, you think? Come along to Sunday school. 
the bridgeway. Coming up next, we're heading off to the courthouse. Director, please. How can I help? Judge Julie presiding. Morning, Judge Julie. Barry has a shocker for you today. He's got this fantastic email, so I'll let him tell you all about it. Okay. <laughs> hey, Julie. Well, the subject line says, stupid rule. Do you detect a bit of frustration creeping in from this person? Yep. So, okay, this person was playing at the Howick 3A, or I guess that narrows it down a bit. Anyway, we don't usually give hands, but this one's fairly straightforward. They had a singleton spade. They had ace, king, queen, jack, ten to seven hearts. They had a singleton diamond, and they had king, queen, jack, x of clubs. Pretty good hand. Yep. Where the frustration came in is that they weren't allowed to open this hand to clubs because they'd been listening to the bridge zone. (laughs) (laughs) And they'd heard that they weren't allowed to open this hand to clubs and they felt it was unfair that if they were playing like precision or a strong club position, people would be allowed to open at one club, which is forcing. The auction at their table went one heart, pass, pass. And you can imagine, you'd have your heart in your mouth when it went around to the fourth person. <laughs> anyway, they did get away with it because the person did bid and they got to, presumably got to four hearts. But well, what about this frustration with the, or the, if you like, the unfairness of the one club, two club argument? Okay, well, I will first of all point out that the one club, two club argument is not an argument of equal system because you're opening them at different levels and they do show by very clearly different forms of strength. And I would point out before going much further that the biggest drawback of a big club system is the one club opener because it is very prone to interference and it is very easy to combat it as opposed to opening a very strong two club in Echol, which is quite different. So then we're not arguing about one being the same as the other or even similar to the other because they actually aren't for quite a few reasons. I sympathise. What we have here is a hand that used to be a strong two opener many years ago in Akol. So it would have been open two hearts and there would have been no issue about getting to game. It was not a two club opener in the purest sense of the word for a two club opener because we had other things that we did that we lost because we now open week twos. And one of the big things about a strong two-club opener is it is a hand of such strength that if partner had a eight-count or higher that you would expect to be getting to slam. Now, there are going to be hands that cross the line and the New Zealand bridge thing with the rule of 29 makes it clear that this hand doesn't meet the grade. And I can fully sympathise about people being upset about this not making the grade it is a lovely strong hand and you actually do have tons and tons of value because of your distribution whether that makes it a two club opener or not I'm not going to go into the other thing about opening one of a suit here with that form of distribution you would be really unlucky for someone not to be bidding at the table which means that the auction's open for you to bid again So distributional hands very often and very rarely get passed out because of the shape of the hands that are around the rest of the table. The one club opening bit I have been looking up in the New Zealand manual and there are two definitions for what a strong club opener should be. The first one is at least 15 high card points or equivalent and equivalent 
seems to be this thing of adding one point for every card after the eights in the two longest suits. So again, we're using some distributional point system to provide a base for what a strong opener will be. And, of course, a two-club opener would be very, very strong. In another part of the manual, it says it's characterised as a 16-plus point hand. This would apply to people who are playing a precision club at a, an intermediate tournament because it is a blue system. If you play a big club system where you have less than those values, you are allowed to, and it is a red system, and it is allowable only at open tournaments, and it has other things about it. And I'll double-check my definition for red systems at intermediate tournaments sometime. So a precision big club can be a hand that is... 15 high card points or the equivalent which means it can drop down and clearly this hand would meet a one club opening bid but as I said the thing about precision as opposed to an alcohol 2 type opener is it's opened at the one level you have plenty of room to intervene over it if you wish to and it is a system people agree to play because it forces the auction it is also the failure point of that system because it is so prone to interference it can be very difficult for people playing it when your opponents get active over you. Swings and roundabouts. I mean, we play lots of different systems. We used to play a huge number of different and we've brought those back. But it's what you choose to play a lot of the time. And when we went to week twos, we traded off these hands being able to be opened at the two level to having to open them at the one level in some sense. Now, there's always going to be an argument on the dividing line between when we're up close to an opening two-club opener. And I fully sympathise the frustration here of wanting to open this two clubs. I had an interesting hand the other day, Julie, where I actually had a pan that would qualify for a two-club opener. I had 21 points, and I had a void in spades. I had ace-jack to five hearts, and something like ace-king to four clubs, and ace-king-queen-x of diamonds. Oh, right, yeah. yeah what was that? So is that about 21? 16 yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's 21. Cards, but we'll, we'll give yeah. you a 13th one there somewhere, shall we? Oh, 0544. So I had 21 points, but actually, the funny thing is, I've got 21 points. Honestly, if partner hasn't got some, if I haven't yeah. got a fit, it's not going to play very well. And I'm not going to have Absolutely. many tricks. And, I'm not going to have many tricks and no trumps either. Anyway, I decided to open this thing two clubs because I thought, well, if nothing else, maybe it'll keep the opponents out of spades. <laughs> it's a choice, isn't it? The thing is that we open two clubs because if partner's got six, maybe five points, we still want them to bid so we can be in game. Yes. If partner's got five or six points, which we need on some 20 and 21 point hands, we could open it at the one level yeah. without any problem. That's right. So it's about what the bid means and what partner expects and all sorts of things, as with any bidding system. The sad end of the detail is I did not keep the opponents out of spades. In fact, they bid seven spades. <laughs> They open two clubs and you've got lots of space you want to be in there to disrupt the auction. Of course, of course. They open one club, you really want to be in there to disrupt the auction. Okay, so right? what you're saying is that opening one club is not going to solve all your problems to our listener? No, I'm sure that they actually know that. But as I said, there's swings and roundabouts on hands. The latest ruling in the manual, we've got some conflicting information about what 
bids should be or shouldn't be, with one part of the manual giving definitions of strength and another part of the manual using phrases like characterised by. So to a large degree the manual is about the directors making rulings about whether these bids equal what is the expectation. If you have a 10 count with ace, king, queen, jack to 13 clubs, the idea is that that is a preemptive hand and not a strong opening bid. Somewhere in here, we have to have an agreement that people understand well about what the expectation of all of these bids are where they're not quite so well defined. And it stopped some people taking advantage by opening hands that would be classed as a psych some of the time by some people and maybe not by other people, but directing, we have to be able to define it. Thank you, Julie. Catch ya. Bye for now. Okay, radio, bye. Bye. <laughs> hey, tell me about Friday night. Got this, your improvers oh, so yeah, so this is uh, Weapons for the Defence coming up on Friday night. We're having, uh, this is for improving players, so uh, intermediates or advanced juniors or whatever. So we've got some hands to play and we're going to talk a bit about defence. So it's at the Hamilton Bridge Club? Yep. Seven o'clock this Friday, the 2nd of July. That's right. Five dollars. So if you're in town or in the city and you've got nothing to do, rock on down to Hamilton. I'll probably be there helping them out because I tend to be the one that does the supper and the dishes <laughs> while he's talking because he always finds something to say. You don't have to be a member of the Hamilton Bridge Club. Anybody can come along. By the way, you guys doing the A's chase, I need your A's in, please. And for the record, I have now moved to 78.23, Barry. It's only 21 and a bit to go. Awesome. So I do know the... A point chase for Jack and Jeremy. I've had it text to me. Cool. What is it? So Jack's on 184.83. Jeremy's on 179.93. Blair. And Blair's on 163.82. Slowly, Slowly closing the gap on Jeremy, but not making any headway on Jack because they played in the same team. Yes. Yeah, so so Jack James, like... Jeremy Fraser Hoskin, Blair Fisher, that's where they're at. Well, it looks like Blair has to separate himself and play against these boys and beat them. That's the plan down at the South Island Pairs, yep. but hey, that might not happen either. Yeah. And just quickly, my bet with Blair about Michael Ware, he's on 260.28 A points for the year. Would you believe that? With wow. six months of it gone, well, it will be this week. So he's on target to be over 500. Okay, Barry, to close the show, where are you playing this weekend? I'm not. What? Well, it's the South Island Pairs being held this week in Marlborough. Oh. Well, let's hope they can hold it in Marlborough. You might have to get through Wellington to get there. Yeah. Could be tricky. All right. In the Mount Albert 3A, doors are locked, entries are closed, they're full up, booked out. Well, I've got a little birdie that says there might be one slim chance of something opening up. Well, what are you playing in? Well, I'm actually going to Thames on Sunday. It's the Waikato area piers. And because it's room-restricted people, you got to enter online. But have you ever heard how damaging badminton can be for your bridge? What are you talking about? This is a bridge show. <laughs> some Surely no bridge players play badminton. Well, we do. One of our fellow Hamiltonian bridge players was having a crack at badminton last night and did a lunge for, for the shuttlecock and did the splits and it looks like he's torn a hammy. So he's... It wasn't only the hammy that he tore, was it? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, he's in doubt, so he's got the leg up and he doesn't know and he thinks that 
lying low and staying quiet, restricting movements, going to get him to the Albert tournament this Saturday. And I reckon he's got two hopes of doing that, and one of them's dead. <laughs> well, we'll be watching to see you. All the best in your recovery. I hope you make it. But if it's all booked out, people, make sure you get on that backup list because you might have a chance of playing. We'll catch you at the tables next week. Happy bridging. Bye for now. This program is sponsored by New Zealand Bridge, sponsors of grassroots bridge across the nation. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.